This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay. Had a long time to work on this speech. So, really, we should be talking about Pesach, because we're between Purim and Pesach. But the truth is, that you first have to know what you're supposed to take out of Purim to bring to Pesach before we can talk on Pesach. Right? We just finished the Purim. Asked a lot of my students. I asked a lot of my students um, what they got from uh, Purim besides drunk. And uh, they really didn't have much to say. You know, spiritually, what did you get? You know, you, you finished Purim. What, what did you get spiritually out of Purim? So if you don't know what you got spiritually out of Purim, then Purim will thank you. Thank you very much. Then Purim was a waste. And, um, and, and between Purim and Pesach, we have to prepare for Pesach. What, what, what's the preparation? Now we know there's a halacha, the halacha, you know, we have, sometimes you have an extra month, sometimes you have an extra month and, and, and uh, a leap year. We know the halacha is that the extra month has to be Adar. In other words, you can't make it a second Nisan or a second uh, Tammuz or a second Elul. The extra month has to be, has to be, um, Adar. And the Megillah, if you have two Adars, Adarish and Adarshani, you, you, which one do you keep Purim in? In Adarshani. Why do you have to keep Purim in Adarshani? Because it has to be Geula to Geula. The redemption to the redemption have to be right next to each other. So the second, so the second month you keep, you keep Purim, the next month is Nisan. So why do you need these two, why do you need these two Geulas next to each other? Right? It doesn't say Shavuot has to be next to anything. It doesn't say Sukkot has to be next to anything. Why is Purim and Pesach? What's the connection? What's the connection between the two? So a boy last night screamed out, you have to drink wine on both of them. Purim, you have to drink wine, and by the Seder, you have to drink wine. I said, Purim, I think you drink more than four cups, but, but, but that's really not where we're going. So what's the, what's the connection? The connection is very, very important. Connection is as follows. We know that Purim was Nes Nistar. No big open miracles, no splitting of the arm, no ten makais. It was, uh, it was a miracle that we're not 100% sure that it was a miracle. Right? Because it doesn't even say Hashem's name. It's hidden. It's Hamelech. And it's the Persian Empire. And we all learned, we all read Caesar. Right? And they all stabbed, uh, Caesar. You know, Itu Brute. You know, Brutus also killed him in the back. Stabbed him in the back. I, as a kid, when I, we did Shakespeare, I was Brutus. <laughs> I stabbed him in the back. Uh, yes, Itu Brute. Right? Beware the odds of March. And, um, so, so I don't remember, I, I won't forget that play because I was part of it. But, um, so, so they had all these empires, they had all this stuff, assassinations, and so, 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 so Purim is a very hidden, hidden miracle. And what, what are you supposed to come out of Purim with, girls? You're supposed to come out of Purim that you're supposed to celebrate hidden miracles as much, or maybe even more, than the revealed miracles. So, Nisan, the, the miracle of, of Pesach, cannot come before the miracle of Purim. Why not? Because if I, if I'm a person who only celebrates Miracles that are open miracles, like when you're in a car accident and the car flips 20 times and you walk out and nothing happened to you, so you bench goimel. Right? You, you make a big bracha, you bench goimel. When you wake up in the morning and, you, and you're still alive, and you're alive, you say modani. You don't bench goimel, but you say modani. So, so uh, everybody celebrates open miracles. Someone's very sick and they say you're not going to make it and the disease disappears. Wow, right? Well, if you have a headache and you take two Tylenols, it's not a wow. If you have strep and you take an antibiotic, which cures you, in the old days you could die from strep. Strep would go into your heart, it would kill you. You didn't have antibiotics. Strep would kill you, pneumonia would kill you, a lot of things would kill you, right? 
Today, you take an antibiotic. Does anyone walk around and say, wow, God, you're amazing. Thank you. I had strep and I took that Z-Pack, six pills, and I'm all better. Hello, 100 years ago, that saved your life. That saved your life now also. But we take it for granted. We have a headache. We take it for granted. Today, I went, I just, I wasn't going to be here tonight. I damaged Hashem that uh, I had oral surgery. It's really not fun. I came up with every excuse not to go to the dentist today. Right? I was just like, I'm running late. I'm in traffic. I think I missed the appointment. The secretary, they, they're used to dealing with guys like me because they're working at a dentist. So she's like, whenever you get here, we'll work on you. <laughs> you know? I'm like, but I'm an hour and a half late and the tunnel says, the dentist came in for you today. Whenever you get here, we'll work on you. <laughs> you know? And then I got into the chair and I'm like, I'm like, you know, maybe you just want to do a cleaning today, you know? Because, uh, you know, it was interesting. You'll, you'll hear at, at the end of my share, you know, I, I'm sitting in that chair and I, I don't know, since I'm a kid, I, I don't like the dentist chair. And, and that's why I'm in the dentist chair. Because, who's a smart person who sees the consequence? So I never went to the dentist when I was supposed to go to the dentist. So I have root canals. And then I didn't take care of those root canals. So then they had to take out the tooth. So when you take out a tooth, there's no tooth. So what do you do? Just to get an implant. Let me tell you something. It's no phone when they drill a hole in your jaw to put the implant in, right? But that's what happens. You don't take care of things. So, so today I had oral surgery, which is not fun. And uh, I'm on like some crazy painkillers. So I might say things tonight that I won't normally say. But, uh, but I said I really want to give the shit tonight. So I, I told the doctor, do whatever you have to do. But I got to be able to open my mouth tonight. And it was just very interesting. I'm, I'm laying in this chair, and um, so he's got to give me these shots, you know. And um, you don't ever get a palate shot. That's like sick when it's on the top of your mouth. Baruch Hashem, this wasn't a palate shot. So he says, you know, it's going to hurt a little bit. No, they don't say hurt. They never use the word hurt. Um, it's going to pinch a little bit. That ain't no pinch. <laughs> that is not a pinch, right? I know my Rebbe used to pinch me. That's not a pinch. But anyway, so so... So I was like, what am I, what am I gonna, what am I gonna say to Hashem while this guy's giving me these needles into my, in my mouth? And I'm like, Eno Bavado, uh, Biadov Kidruchi. I have all my sayings. I said, you know what? Hashem, I just want to thank you before I get this shot that there's a thing called anesthesia. Cause if he doesn't give me this shot and he's gonna drill into my bone, I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna go out the window. So Kush Baruchu, I'm a cobble. The pain should be for all the Averis I ever said, ever came out of my mouth. But I, I want to thank you. For the pain I'm about to receive, because it's going to be anesthesia, and and he gave me the shots, and my mouth went numb, and um, when he was working on me, I didn't feel anything. Of course, when it wears off, it's a little different story. But Hashem, in, uh, forty years ago, fifty years ago, you feel everything. So when you go to the dentist today, and he gives, and he gives you the shot, and you don't feel anything, that's amazing. And an implant? That's crazy. That's crazy. The technology that God gave us, that you could lose a tooth. You could lose a tooth. In the old days, you had to have dentures. Or you never, you didn't get a tooth. You could lose a tooth. Like Kishboku gave chachma and, and, and the materials, the platinum, the stuff that they use that will never crack. That, that if, they give, if they give you a tooth implant, it's forever. If the guy knows what he's doing, it will never come out. You could be 110 years old. It will never come out. And I was like, that's unbelievable. It's not good because then you can be careless and still get a tooth. Right? But the truth of the matter is, it's Nifla. And the x-rays, 
they come out they're now on a computer. Now, like the old days, they had that little thing. It comes right away on the computer. A second later, it's on the computer. It takes your tooth, it turns it over in every different direction. And the roots, and I like three dimensions. Want to see it this way? I'm like, I don't really want, I'm not, I'm not really interested in seeing my tooth. Three dimensionals, right? But it's looking at it this way and that way. It's godless. So I'm like, Kush Baruchu, you're amazing. Thank you for the anesthesia. And thank you for Motrin 800 milligrams. <laughs> that's amazing. Because I wouldn't be here tonight. But that's the Nister. We don't think like that. Because, you know, big deal. So I took two Motrins, and, you know, a Motrin, and it, and it helped me. But who created that, 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 that the human being should figure out how to, how to take a little teeny pill and, and that pill goes into your stomach, gets, gets absorbed by your, by, your, by your intestines and then goes to your brain and your brain knows exactly where to send those messages to deaden the pain. You know, how does my brain not, maybe would send it to my toe or to my finger, but that doesn't hurt me, right? All these things, that I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in that chair, I had nothing else to think about actually. But you, I'm, and I'm saying to myself, this is crazy. That's Purim. That's the Nister. That's the, that happens every single day to all of us. We don't appreciate it. Popping a pill and our headache goes away. It's crazy. The Nigla is the big miracles. So if a person appreciates Hashem for the Nister, for the things that are hidden, then he surely will appreciate for the Nigla, for a big miracle, for a big miracle. So Purim, Purim comes before Pesach. Because if Pesach, doesn't guarantee us a Purim. If, if, if we sit down and we have a Seder and we talk about God, split the Yam and the Makais and crazy open miracles, doesn't mean I'm going to appreciate a story where I don't see HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. So Purim and Pesach have to be right next to each other. In order for you to have the correct Seder, ladies, to be able to sit at a Seder and say, I feel like I was in Mitzrayim, I feel like that I'm coming out of Mitzrayim, I feel like I came out of the Kriyas Yamsuf, I feel like I'm living this whole miracle you have to be a person who, who's living your life and, and seeing that in your life, everything is a miracle. So Purim and Pesach are very connected. They're both Hakar Satov. One is on the Nistar and one is on the Nigla. So tonight, I want to talk about a very tough subject for me and for everyone that's listening tonight. But probably the most important subject that exists in the world. And I will prove it to you tonight. And I'll tell you a little bit about some stuff that happened today. What is the main lesson of Megillah Esther? The main lesson of Megillah Esther, there's a medrash in the beginning of Megillah Esther that says as following. Amar Rabbi Pinchas. Rabbi Pinchas said that Oid Dover Toiv Hoyaboy. There was something good about Labriyat, about Achashverosh. There was something good about it. What was good about him? He wrote in his book of memories, not only the good that was done to him, he didn't just write, today I was saved, today this guy did, today this happened to this, no. He wrote in his book who saved him, when they saved him, how they saved him. Now listen to these words, these are the big words. Elegam Esmisha Asa, today, why did he write it in his book? Was he writing a diary, girls? Was he writing a diary? No, he was not writing a diary, says the Medrash. He wrote it in the book of Zichwainais, Kidei Lahakir Loi Toiva. 
in order that he should be able to go back to the person who did him the good and pay him back. In other words, he wasn't writing a diary today. I got up in the morning and I had this and I had that and I had this. And by the way, this guy saved my life. And by the way, no, no. He wrote it specifically in the book because he wanted to thank that person for what he did. That's why he wrote it in the book. He didn't write in the book as a diary. No. He wrote it because he had one good meet about him. He wanted to show the person. Anyone who does me good, I have to show my Akar Satov. Now, let's take a look for a second at his Akar Satov. So if you look in Megillus Esther, it says the following. Megillus Esther. In Perik Vav, we all know the Melech could not sleep. By the way, if you can see in my Medrash book here, there's about 40 pages or more that are folded with underlined. I spent, I, I spent my whole 10 days in Florida. I mean, not just learning, but it's, the Medrash is absolutely amazing. There's so much I would like to talk about. But this, I think, is the main point of the whole Purim. In Perik Vav, it says with the Yeshua, Yeshua came in Perivov. What did it say in the beginning of Perivov? Balailahu that night, The king could not sleep. Says says the Zayar that that when it doesn't say the word Melech Achashverosh, and when it just says the word Melech, it means God. Now, what does that mean that God could not sleep? God doesn't sleep, right? God doesn't go to sleep. So it says like this: The Zayar says that Hakadosh Baruch Hu sat on his throne of Din, and on his throne of Din. He wrote that we're going to be destroyed. He could not sleep that night. He could not accept that Klai Yisrael was going to be destroyed, even though he was the one that signed the Gzera. So what did Hashem do? How do you get, how does Hashem get from his, from his seat of Din to a seat of Rachman? He had to get to a seat of Rachman. So he said, open up the book of Zichrainais. Open up the book of memories. What was in the Book of Memories? The Book of Memories was the bris that Avraham Avinu, that Hashem had with Avraham Avinu, that Hashem said, your children will never be destroyed, and they will multiply like the stars. And, and all, and what, and what the Olay Zabu Seinu Avraham Yitzhak and Yaakov did, and all the good things that we did. So Kishbaruch who said, this nation of Klai Yisrael, this is, yeah, right? This nation of Klai Yisrael. So listen to what, listen to what the king says over here. The Yom HaMelech, what did we, what, what, it says that he saved my life, right? Achishverosh was saying. What, Yikar Ugdullah, what greatness. I don't even know how to say Yikar in, in, in English. It's, well, Yikar means precious, but that's what, not what precious. Uh, let's see how he translates it here, Gimel. What honor, what honor and dignity has been given to Mordechai. What Achashverosh was saying here, because it still means Achashverosh, in, in Kabbalah it means Hashem. What Achashverosh was saying here, I could not sleep. Now, wh- why did he open the safe for Zechreiners? If anybody in this room can't sleep, what do you take? You take a pill, you put it on Wallstein Shear, you're out, right? Right? You, you, but, but you're not, if you can't sleep, is anybody in this room going to say, you know why I can't sleep? Must be, that someone once did me a favor, and I didn't say thank you. That's not what you're going to do, right? But Achashverosh could not sleep. 
He did not say, I can't sleep because I'm the king and someone's trying to kill me. He did not say, I'm the king and I have so much on my head. The first thing he did when he could not sleep, he said, bring me my book of Zichroinus. Bring me my book of all the people that did something for me good. That's what you do? Because Achashverosh understood that if I can't rest, then it must be that someone did me a favor that I didn't thank. Now we're not talking about a rabbi. We're not talking about a Jew. We're talking about Achashverosh or Russia. But the, but the Medrash said that there was something about him that was very good. And what was that? He could not sleep. Imagine. He could not sleep if there was someone in this world that did him a good and he didn't make him a goggle. How many people in this room, including me, will lose sleep because we didn't say thank you to someone who did us something good? All right, so can't remember everything. We're not going to lose any sleep over it. This was his godless. This was Achishverosh's godless. And that's why Achishverosh was saved. Because really, he was as big a Russia as Haman was a Russia. The reason he was saved, because he had a midah of Akara Satayif. Now Haman was called Haman HaAgagi. Why was he called Agagi? In the, in, in the, in, in the Megillah, he's not called Haman HaRasha. Called Haman Hagagi. Now, why was he called Haman Hagagi? Call him Haman. What's that Hagagi? So, the story we all know in the Navi is that Agag was the king of Amalek. When Shmuel the Navi came to Shaul the king and said to destroy Amalek, men, women, children, and all the animals, they have to be wiped off the face of the earth. I'm going to tell you why. So, Shaul's job was to wipe, was to kill them all. He killed the women, he killed the men, he killed the children, he did not kill the animals because he made his own cheshben, made his own frum cheshben, right? He said to himself like this, animals, why should I kill the animals? When I kill the animals, the dogs are going to eat them. If I have all these animals, what should I do with them? Bring them as a carbon to Hashem. Bring them to God as a sacrifice. So he thought he was being a big tzaddik. Shmuel came to him and said, what did you do? Why did you let the animals live? He said, what do you mean? Me and the Jews, we decided we're going to be the Karbanas. He said, you just lost your malchus. When Hashem tells you to do something, you don't make your own decisions on what you should do, what is right and what is wrong. You just lost your whole malchus. The malchus is now going to Davon HaMelech. But what happened that night is Agog was a sorcerer. And he was the king of Amalek. And he turned himself into an animal. And him and his, he got his wife pregnant. And she escaped. And from her continued Amalek. Everybody else in the, of Amalek was destroyed. There was nobody left. He killed Agog after that, Shaul. And the only one that got away was Agog's wife. And from her she had a child. And from that, the whole Amalek started over again. Who was the direct descendant from Amalek? Haman. Now, Shaul, at the end of the day, who saved Amalek? Shaul. By letting them live, instead of listening to what Hashem told them to do. Um, Esther, Hamalka, and Mordechai were direct descendants of Shaul. So what Haman should have said was, I want to kill all the Jews. But there's two Jews, they say, their, parent, their grandfather saved my grandfather, I wouldn't be here. Mordechai and Esther, you got to let them live. Because Mordechai and Esther come from Shaul. Shaul saved my father, my grandfather Agog. 
so I have to have a karsa tov to them. I don't want them killed. He went the other way. He was a kafwe type. He said, I don't care about anybody else. Mordechai, if he's not dead, I can't be happy. He's a kafwe type. And therefore, Haman had to be eradicated. Achashverosh was just as bad. But he was, he had a karsa type. And therefore, he ended up having a child with Esther. And of course the child was Jewish because Esther was Jewish. The child was a king, Darius. And Darius rebuilt the base of Mikdash. So even though he was as bad as Haman, Haman got destroyed with all his children. And from Achishverosh came a Jewish king who ended up building the base of Mikdash because from Hakarasatov, from Hakarasatov, from appreciating the most beautiful things in the world are built. Now, where did Haman get this meter from of not appreciating? came from Amalek. Why do we have a mitzvah to wipe out Amalek? Why do we have such a mitzvah to wipe out Amalek? Because where did Amalek come from? Eliphaz. Where did Amalek come from? It came from Esav. Now when Hashem met Avram Avinu and the Brits of Sarim, Hashem said that your children from the Bechor of Yitzchak will go to Mitzrayim and suffer there for 400 years. Actually, Esav and his children... Amalek, Eliphaz, all his children, they were supposed to go to Mitzrayim. When Yaakov took the Bechorah, together he took not only the Bechorah, but he took that we had to go into that whoever that Bechor is has to go into Mitzrayim for 400 years. So Kleisra went into Mitzrayim. 210 years later, right, the children got murdered, they got thrown into the Nile, the children got their heads cut off, and, and Paro uh, bathed themselves in their blood. He, he worked us to the bone. We were his servants and his slaves, right? That's who we were. And we come out of Mitzrayim, and our Malik, the minute we walk out of Mitzrayim, we're in Rafidim, they attack us to kill us. One second, guys. We just spent 210 years doing your time. We, we did your time. You guys were supposed to be the ones that were in Mitzrayim. But instead of you being there, we were there. So instead of thanking us, we're doing your time, or at least leaving us alone, you attack us right away. It's sort of like somebody in this room killed, some, God forbid, killed somebody. And she's like, Wallstein, here's the gun. You take the blame. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because I'm 18 and you're 56. You know, I got my whole life ahead of me. I promise I won't, I, I won't do this again. But you know, you're already an old guy, you know? I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'll, I'll take 25 years for, for murder. And you know, and I go to jail for 25 years and I sit in the person sits in jail and he goes through he goes through terrible terrible times in jail the worst times that you can imagine and then the person comes out of jail and there she's standing 25 years now she's 45 or 40 whatever 43 years old and she's standing there and you expect her to be standing there I took the hit for you I didn't do anything I sat in jail for 25 years for you I went through everything just for you I come out I expect her I'm not talking about Jewish people give me a hug and a thank you and a box, and a roses, and, 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 and here's my children, and look how you saved me, and I come walking out, and she says, wow, you got old. You look really old. You sat for 25 years to me, didn't you? I'm like, yeah. What? You crazy? I sat for 25 years for you? I come out? You know what? You don't want to thank me? You don't want to thank me? Don't thank me. Slap me in the face. What's wrong with you? That's what I'm, that's what I'm all like did.
We sat 210 years. Our kids got murdered. We took your hit. And we come out. You don't want to say thank you? Fine. You don't want to bow down to us? Fine. You don't want to pay us for it? Fine. You attack us to kill us? Because said, a nation that's a kafli tov has to be eradicated. Can't be in this world. That's where Haman came from. He was an agagi. He was a kafli tov. He had no appreciation for anything. And therefore, he had to be destroyed. Isn't there something in Hebrew that says gratitude, graciousness, and one more thing? There's a trilogy of gratitude, graciousness, and appreciation, and one more thing after that. I don't know it offhand. It sounds like something in Pirkei Elvos. Yeah, it is. But I'm not sure what, it, what it, the translation in Hebrew. Okay. So, so that was Amalek, and that's why Amalek had to be totally destroyed. That's who they were. And it, and it brings down very, very beautiful that Yisro, when Yisro, it says that when Yisro, when Yishma Yisro, he became a ger. Why did he become a ger? So because he heard two things. He heard Kriyas Yamsuf, and he heard Muhammad Amalek. He heard the splitting of the sea, and he heard the war of Amalek. So they asked the question, the splitting of the sea, I very much understand. If you hear the splitting of the sea, I'll also become a Jew. But going to, going to war with, a, with another nation, big deal. Why did that make him, why did that make him Jewish? And why are the two of them together? What does uh, the war of Amalek and the, and the, and the, and Kriyas Yamsuf have to do with each other? It's beautiful terrace. I think it's Chassam Seifer. And he says the terrace is as follows. Yisro had a question. The Jews were caught between the, between the, the, between the water and between the Mitzrim. What did Hashem say? I will fight, but Atem Tacharishun. You relax, don't you lift your hands against the, against the Mitzrim, don't touch them. You relax, I will destroy them. Okay. Then, they come out of the Yam, and they go to war with, and Amalek shows up, and they go to war with Amalek, they take their swords, they go to war, and they wipe out Amalek. So Yisra's like, I don't understand something. If the Jews are warriors, then why did Hashem have to make the whole big miracle of splitting the Red Sea? He should have just let them go to war and beat them. And if they're not warriors, then Hashem had to make Kriyas Yamsuf, so then why did he make the Jews fight Amalek? Why did they, he just make the earth open up and swallow up Amalek? Either they're warriors or they're not warriors. What are they? Why would they fight Amalek and not fight Mitzrayim? Why would they sit by and let Hashem do everything by Mitzrayim and not sit by and let everything happen by Amalek? And the answer is that Hashem said to Klai Yisrael, what a lesson. Hashem said to Klai Yisrael, at the end of the day, they killed your children. They made you slaves. But did you eat their food? Did you live in their land? The Torah tells us this. Did you live in their land? Did they give you their jewelry and their things when you left? You can't kill someone if you lived in his land and you ate his food. Even if he's a murderer, low life. But if you lived in his land, you can't kill him. Not because of him. Because of you. Because if you're going to kill somebody that you ate his food at his table, it will make you into a monster. So when it came to Mitzrayim, Hashem said, don't you pick up a weapon. I have to kill them. You cannot touch them. You ate in their houses. You ate in their land. When it came to Amalek, Hashem said, you don't owe them anything. They never did anything for you. Go out and kill every single one of them. What an important lesson. Look how they, and, and, and the Megah says, imagine someone who kills your children, who makes you a slave, and God doesn't let you touch them. 
Imagine a person who doesn't kill your children and doesn't hurt you, your parents, who take care of you. Imagine how Karsa told that a person has to have. How scary. It's much, much deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. Balak! Balak hired Bilam to curse us, to destroy us. How does he get a parasha in the Torah named after him? Yisro, Akarsa Tov. He helped Moshe Rabbeinu. I understand that. Pinchas, he saved Klai Yisro. How does Bullock get a parasha in the Torah? And the Medrash says that even though Bullock hired Bilam to curse us, God made a miracle and he made the words come out of Bilam's mouth that were Abraham, Atobo Lech Yaakov. So in the end, what did Bullock pay all the money to Bilam? What came out of Bilam's mouth? Abraham. Hashem said, I have to give him, I have to give Bullock a curse He paid for the bracha. So I have to name a pasha after him. Not only have to name a pasha after him, says the Medrish, but Rus, the mother of Moshiach, who is the biggest in Akar Satov, has to come from someone that we owe Akar Satov to. So she was a direct descendant of Balak. You hear? Balak, a low life. He, he caused 24,000 Jews to get killed. He sent his daughters down to be prostitutes. He hired Bilam to curse us. And Akash Baruch Hu says, you have to have Akash Satoiv. His name is the name of a Pasha. And Rus, the grandmother of David Amelech, has to come from him. Allah has kama v'kama, how for sure a person who doesn't have a bad intention and causes something good to happen. And this is in Pasha Voracious. I want to tell you a story that happened today, which was very disturbing. Maybe we'll get the point across. And I apologize to anyone who I might hurt their feelings, but this is what we have to do. We have to go inside ourselves. Sometimes going inside yourself hurts. You know what? But you become a better person. That's that's what we're after. We just want to grow. Growing, there's such a thing as growing pains. So the Torah tells us the following. The Chava first of all, Adam met all the animals. He named them all, female, male, female, male. And when they all left, he felt very lonely. He didn't have a partner. So Hashem said, it's not for man to live alone. I have to create him a partner. And he created him a woman so that he wouldn't be lonely, right? And what happens? They eat from the tree. And actually, Haman's name comes from here. We say, Haman menatari menayin. Where does Haman's name come from? It comes from Hamin When Hashem said, did you eat from the tree? So the word Hamin spells Haman. So what's the connection? The connection is that Haman was a kafri tov. Haman didn't appreciate anything. What happened? If you look at the, at, the, at the Torah, it's very important to know this. Hashem didn't tell them, you can't eat from the Eitz Adas and the Eitz Achayim. That's not the way God said it to them. God said to them, you can eat from every tree in the garden except for those two. He didn't, he didn't start with a negative statement. You can't eat those two. He said, you can eat everything else but those two. So, what kind of kafri tov, lack of of, of, of thankfulness, if I give you everything, and the one thing I tell you not to, that's what you eat from, that's called the kafri taif. So Hamin eats. Haman comes from that, Hamin eats because Haman had everything, he was the richest, everybody bowed down to him, except one guy, Mordechai, he couldn't deal with that. And Mordechai was from Binyamin, and, 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 and from Shaul, and he saved you. No, I have to have the one guy that I can't have, 
I have everything else. And he came to Zerosh and he said, I have everything else. I was invited to the queen. I am the man. I am the richest man. I'm going to be the next king. He had everything. I cannot enjoy any of this because there's one person who's not bowing down to me. That is a person who's a complete type. I have everything but one thing. I have everything but that. My neighbor has a car I don't have. I'm miserable. So you don't have, you have no appreciation for what you have. You don't, you, you, you're missing something. So you have no appreciation for what you have. So that's where Haman, that's where he comes from. So, so Hashem asks Adam, right? Who told you that you don't, who told you that, uh, that you're not dressed? How many ate? Did you eat from the tree? Adam, and Adam said, The woman that you gave to be with me, Imadi, so I shouldn't be lonely. The woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me from the, from the tree, that I ate from. It says Rashi. Asher on the words, the woman that you gave to be with me. Khan kaifer b'tayva. Here, Adam was kafar in taiva. He was ungrateful. Where do you see him being ungrateful here? Hashem asked him, how do you know that you're not dressed? Did you eat from the tree? He said, the woman that you gave me, gave me to eat from the tree. Did he lie? Did he make up a story? Where's Rashi getting this from? He threw it back in God's face. He didn't say the woman gave me to eat from the tree. He said, the woman that you gave me to be with me that I shouldn't be lonely, look what you did, Hashem. Look what you did. That woman that you gave me not to be lonely, she's the one who gave me from the tree. He took back what Hashem gave him, this woman that he shouldn't be lonely, and he threw it back in God's face. It's like, if you give your kid an ice cream, and you're so excited, you go to the store, hey, Shafer, you want ice cream? Yeah, ma. He takes the ice cream, right? And what does he do? He throws it all over your dress. And you're like, Shafer, why'd you do that? He goes, I didn't do that. Mommy, you did it. And you're like, what do you mean I did it? You bought me the ice cream. If you wouldn't have bought me the ice cream, I couldn't have done it. Are you going to buy him another ice cream? That's called a coffee type. So that's what Adam did here. Adam said, should have said to Hashem, the woman gave me, no, the woman that you gave to me, that I shouldn't be lonely. Look what you did, Hashem. You did it. You did it. So Kajbaruch said something unbelievable. Hashem said to him, really? That's, that's your appreciation? So Hashem said the following. Your curse is you're going to have to work. Right? You're going to have to work. Till you return to the ground. That's a very big question here. Because from there you were created. Ki offer akta, because you are dust, they'll offer tashu. And you're gonna go back to dust. One second. You just said in the same passage, you're gonna, atshufcha la dama, until you're gonna return to the earth. Now you're calling me dust? Dust and earth are two different things. What's the difference between adama? Why are we called adam? Why is everyone here called adam? Female, male. We're called adam. You don't call a woman adama. And a man adam. Adam means a human being. Right? Why are we called adam? Why do we get such a name? Because adam, ground, earth, has crazy potential. Whatever you plant, it grows. So Adam is the potential of growth. A human being, what is the definition of a human being, which I've been saying for years, definition of a human being is that you're Adama. You have the ability to create and grow all types of crazy things in this world. So we are called an Adam. What does Hashem say to Adam? You're not Adam. A person who doesn't appreciate, who's a Kafri Tov, you're Afar. The difference between earth, Adama, and Afa, Afa is dust. Nothing grows in dust. 
dust has no potential. You take a big pile of dust and you put a seed in it, nothing will happen. Dust, those dust balls, they have no potential to do anything. So Hashem said to, to Adam, you are no longer an Adam. You are no longer a person. Because a person is created with Tzalem Elohim in the, in the Tzalem, in the form of God. What does that mean? You know, you can go to Florida and have a good tan, you still don't look like God. What does it mean a person's in the form of God? Who here looks like God? So what's that Tzalem? The Tzalem Elohim, and I'll prove it to you now, is appreciation. That's the godliness in every single person. Appreciating when someone does something for you. Appreciating when God does something for you. When a person does something for you. When water does something for you. He wasn't allowed to hit the water, my Shabbenu. What does that mean? Water has no feelings. You mean when I go in the bathtub and it makes splashy, splashy, the water is in pain? What are you talking about? And the water did nothing for my Shabbenu. He didn't do a miracle. She made a waterproof basket, put it in the water and floated. Yay! I put ivory snow in my bathroom and it floats. Ivory snow floats. Big deal. What did the water do for my Shabbenu? It acted as water. So why couldn't he hit it? It has no feelings. It's a dying name. It has no feelings. And the answer is, it's not about the water. It's about you. If you you drink water, then you can't just pour it out onto the ground. Because it's going to make you into a, a worse person. And therefore, he wasn't allowed to hit the water, even though it has no feelings. Because it would change Moshe Rabbeinu. At the end of the day, I was saved by the water, even though it was just acting like water. It wasn't doing anything special. So HaKosh Baruch Hu told Adam, you are no longer a person. You threw her back in my face. You come from dirt. You are dirt. And there is no potential of anything to grow out of you. And then Hashem said to him, after he criticized him, he said, name your wife. Give her a name. And he said something very unusual. He said, her name is Chava. Because Aim Kochai, she's the mother of all life. That wasn't true. Until she ate from the tree, and gave him to eat from the tree, nobody was ever going to die. Now that she ate from the tree, she actually killed Adam by giving him to eat from the tree. So she wasn't Aim Kochai, she was Aim Kochai. She's the mother of death. Chava wasn't the mother of life. She's the mother of death. So why did he name her the mother of life? And the answer was that he saw her curse. And her curse was that she's going to have to be pregnant for nine months and carry a baby. And then she's going to have to have labor pains. And then when she's a young teenager, every single month, she's going to have to go through excruciating pain. And he saw that was a terrible curse. But, but, but through that curse... Babies are going to come to the world. So he said, instead of focusing on what she did wrong to me, I'm going to focus on, I don't got to give birth. And I don't got to go through that. Because she's the one that's going to go through that. So I'm going to call her Chava, Ki Ein Kochai. She's taking the hit. I'm not going to focus on how she hurt me. I'm going to show appreciation that she's the one who carries the child. And she's the one that gives birth. So he showed Hashem that he took the criticism and he changed who he was. And instead of being a kafwe to not appreciating, he was going to appreciate, even though she caused him to death, but at the end of the day, she's bringing something to the table. She's the one who's going to bring the child into the world. She's the one that's going to go through all the pain. I owe her a beautiful name. And I'm going to call her Chava. And here's where the Torah tells you that what I'm telling you is true. Because what happens right after that, after he names her Chava, by Yaima Hashem Elohim. That's Racham and Hashem Elohim said, Hain. Behold, Ha'adam, 
He's no more afar. Because he focused on the other person and appreciated what she's bringing to the table. So now Hashem calls him Adam. Adam He's now like one of us. What does that mean? He now has Akras Hataif. He now has godliness. He's now created Batel Malukim. He is now like me. Appreciation of another person or of anything that's done good to a person, that is godliness. That brings a person to potential for amazing growth. Very, very scary part of this. If you look in the Megillah, and, and I, I have to tell you that when I learned this, I am I am very scared after 120 years, my din in Shemayim. I can tell you that. I'm very, very scared. Because when I learned this, I never knew this, and it's really scary. It's scary for all of us. It says that when um, when Mordechai heard what what Haman was planning, Mordechai knew what was going to happen. He ripped his clothing, right? He put on a sack and sackcloth and ashes. He went into the middle of the city. And he screamed a terrible, bitter, loud, painful scream. Those exact words are one more place in the Torah. Not in, not in a Megillah, not in Ksuvim, but in Torah. In Pasha's Toldos. Exactly the same words. When Yaakov took the Bechorah away from Esau, and Esau found out that he lost the Bechorah, and that his father benched Yaakov instead of him, listen to the words. When Esau heard the words of his father Yitzchak, that Yaakov stole the Bechorah, by Yitzchak, Tzaka, Gedola, Umara, exact same words. So the Medrash says the following. Listen to this. The Medrash says that because Yaakov caused Esav to scream in such pain, Yaakov had to pay back. Because Yaakov caused Esav to scream in such pain, thousands of years later, Esav had the right to make Yaakov scream in such pain. Where Haman, who came from Esau, caused, ya- caused Yaakov, who was Mordechai, to scream the exact same pain that Esau screamed. So they asked Akasha, I don't understand. Yaakov was doing a mitzvah. His mother, Kivit of Aim, told him to, to take the Bechorah. So yes, he caused Esau to scream, but he's doing a mitzvah. Haman wasn't doing a mitzvah. The Medrash says something so scary. The Medrash says, even if you're right, you're right. Yaakov did the right thing. His mother told him to do it. He was doing Kibbutz Avayim. Imagine if he would have gotten the, the bracha, Esau. Even if you're right, when you cause another person pain, you will pay back the exact, you or your children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren will go through the exact same pain that you caused the other person, even though you were right. Forget about it if you're wrong. So when a teacher throws the kid out of class. And you're right. It's disturbing the class. Took out his phone. You're 100% right. You had a right to throw out the teacher. The manager says, one of your children, grandchildren or great-grandchildren, one day will get thrown out of class and feel the exact pain that that child felt. 
I, my grandchild didn't do anything wrong. Doesn't matter. You caused the child to go through that pain, and you were right. So, Akka Gedayla, Esav screams, Esav, the worst low life of Russia, did every Aveira, sold his Bechara, didn't deserve to get the Racha. Didn't deserve to get the Racha, he sold the Bechara. Yaakov did what his mother told him to do. And Mordechai had to go through the same pain, because at the end of the day, did you cause Esav pain? You're going to pay for that pain, even when you're right. You know how many kids I threw out of my class? You know how much pain I caused for 30 years of being a teacher? But I thought if I'm right, and the kid was disturbing the class, and he was fresh, so I have a right to do it. You may have a right to do it, but your grandchildren, your children, or your great-grandchildren, or your great-grandchildren are going to go through that same thing. They're not even going to know why. What did I do? Why did my teacher just throw me out? Because your grandfather was a rebbe, and he threw out a kid in class. But that kid deserved it. That kid was, was shooting spitballs and making fun and saying curse words. That's right. But he caused him pain? You're going to pay for it. Whoa. That's when you're right. That's when you're right. Imagine you cause somebody pain and you're not right. You just stop doing it because you're nasty. Ho, ho, ho. The payment for that. That is very scary. And it goes on. And it says that he ripped his clothing. That, that, that Mordechai ripped his clothing. Why did he rip his clothing? He could have just put on the ash cloth. So it says because Binyamin... When he left Mitzrayim and he had that, that, that cup in his, in his, they found the cup in his bag. So it says all the brothers ripped their clothing. Because they realized they're going to lose Binyamin. So it says because, because Binyamin, listen to this. Because Binyamin caused all the brothers to rip their clothing. So now, all the brothers are going to cause Binyamin to rip his clothing. How? Mordechai, who came from Binyamin, had to rip his clothing. Because of the rest of Klyestrom. So they asked the Kasha, one second. Binyamin didn't put that cup in his, in the sat, in the bag. Yosef set that whole thing up. Doesn't matter. You cause that, that's the punishment. Look at David HaMelech. Now we're talking about, and then I'll finish. We're talking about an innate object. David HaMelech was trying to tell Shaul that I don't hate you. And I don't want to kill you. So what did he do? He snuck in, put his life on the, on the line, snuck into Shaul's camp at night, snuck into his tent while Shaul was sleeping, Went over to Shaul while he was sleeping. He was sleeping in his, I guess, his uh, pajama shirt, whatever it was. Took out a knife. Cut Shaul's um, collar. Cut it. The next morning, sent a message to Shaul and said, By the way, look at your shirt. You see it's cut? That was me. I was in your tent. I had my knife on your shirt. I could have slit your throat. If I wanted you dead, you would not have woken up this morning. And Shaul Taka saw that his shirt was cut. Realized that David Amalek was there. The Torah tells us, that no longer after, since he cut that clothing, no longer would clothing keep him warm. For the rest of his life, he was cold-blooded. David Amalek was shivering. For the rest of his life, they put coats and coats and jackets and coats and coats. And he shivered. It didn't do one thing for him. And Rashi says, why? Because clothing was created to warm. And if you're a cuffly tithe, and you take that clothing and you cut it, it will not do what it's created for. So what do you want? Don Amalek, you should have taken the, the knife and you should have stuck it in the ground right next to Shaul's head. You had no right to cut clothing. And therefore the punishment, what do you mean clothing has feelings? What are you talking about? Clothing was created to keep you warm. If you cut it, that shows you don't appreciate it. If you don't appreciate it, it doesn't work. 
which answers a new dig of Gemara. The Gemara says, why was the second bias Shani? Why was it destroyed? Because there were, there were, everybody knew, a little 12 year old knew more Torah than anybody in our whole generation today. Why was it destroyed? It says, because they didn't do, they didn't make Birkas on Torah. They didn't make Brachas before they learned. So everybody asks, what? That's what? What are you talking about? So you didn't make a Bracha before you learned. Big deal. No. Torah, the Teva, the nature of Torah, is to make you a holier person and a better person. But if you don't make a bracha before it, well, bracha shows appreciation. Bracha to Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me Torah. If you don't make a bracha, then the teva of the Torah doesn't work. So they all can learn Torah, but they all hated each other. And they had sinas chinam, and they killed, and they committed adultery, and they did every avera. How could you talk about it? It was a, it was a generation that was learning Torah. Torah doesn't work. Nothing works. Nothing has potential. Not a person, not a shirt. Not a piece of Gemara. Not nothing has potential if you don't have appreciation with it. So Torah doesn't work if you don't make brachas on it. And a shirt doesn't keep you warm if you're able to cut it. That shows that you don't have a cross to type for it. So that's what Purim stood for. Purim stood for that Achashverosh, the whole nice of Purim, none of the Shnat He could not sleep. Look at this guy. He could not sleep because somebody did him a good and he didn't pay him back. So Esker and Malachi found themselves a big problem. That's a very big kitrig on us. The Sultan runs to Hashem and says, Look, my guy, Yachesh he has a book of Zechreinites. You're Jews, they don't appreciate anything. So we were in trouble. So Mordechai and Esther said, We'll take care of that. And if you look at the Psukim at the end of the Megillah, Mordechai specifically says separately, Mordechai and Esther, Vatichtov, Esther, Hamalka, Batavichayel, Mordechai, Yudi, as they wrote it down in a book. And they sent the book throughout Kleisrow. And they said, this book has to be read every single year and it can never be forgotten and it has to be celebrated. Achishver is not the only one who wrote a book of Zechreinus. Now we have a book of Zechreinus that we're always going to remember what Hashem did for us on Purim. So as an antithesis for Achishverosh to answer the Makatrig, they wrote the Megillah Esther. They sent it out and we have to read it every single year. So Purim, what Purim stands for, Purim stands for Akar Satayv. So, I'm going to be a little harsh. I, I, I apologize for being a little harsh, but I'm going to be a little harsh. So, I thought to myself, I had Baruch Hashem a while to think, and I thought to myself, I said to myself, you know, we, we have three major problems today. Three major problems Kleistro is going through. One, we are totally disconnected from God. We pray, we wear our skirts to where it's supposed to be, we're, Shemir's Halashan, we don't say Lashan Hara, we have our hours of Lashan Hara, we go to Wallace's speeches, we go to this one, Rebbitson's speech, we go to that Rebbitson's speech, and everything's great, but our connection to God, we're not connected, who wakes up in the morning and says, Mwah! I love you Hashem! Nobody. Who gets up and walks over to the Parochas, right, and puts their head in the Parochas, when I say for Torah, I have one upstairs and I asked my, 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 my seminary girl to the mic. So after I leave, how many of you quietly sneak up to the parochas, put your head in there and say, I love you, Hashem. It's about as close as I can get to you. I love you, Hashem. I miss you, Hashem. Ah, we're busy. Our phones and all our other stupidities. And we do what we're supposed to. It's knee sticking. We do everything we're supposed to. But we don't talk to him. We have no relationship with him. We don't. We don't. Some of us do. But most of us don't. It's very hard. We don't. We don't. We don't just get excited like... You know, get up in the morning, she's like, yeah! Thank you, Hashem, I love you! You'd think there's something wrong with you if you said it. Where else? What do you want from me? You crazy? 
Should get up and tell Hashem I love him? Yeah, you should. Yeah, you, de- you definitely should. Yeah. And you go to sleep before you go to sleep at night. Yeah, you definitely should. Tell him you love him. Yeah. 100%. You tell your friend before you hang up. Honey, I love you. That you tell with Hashem you don't say I love you. So one of the big problems we have today is we don't have a relationship with him. We have all kinds of stuff, but a relationship? Nah. We also don't have a relationship with our parents. So many girls tell me, I hate my mother, I hate my father, they're stupid, I don't go, I never want to go home, I can't talk to them, they don't understand. Ugh, like terrible, like parents are like, like, get rid of them, you know? Get rid of them. So we have a terrible situation, terrible generation gap, where, where parents don't get along with their kids, and sometimes it's that way, and sometimes kids don't get along with parents, but definitely the relationship between, between children and parents in my generation was a zillion times better than it is today. Nothing to talk about. That's number two. Number three in Ebuch is marriages. Husband and wives. 50%, and I'm giving you a good number, of marriages are, are good, are happy. I'll give you a high number. Right? You know, your parents, your uncles and aunts, your friends that are married. You know the honest truth. It's like, what, Rabbi Watson, why should I get married? No one around me who's married is happy. Right? Marriages are not... I mean, Baruch Hashem, there's some amazing marriages. Hashem should give you those husbands, and you should have amazing. I'm not trying to scare any of you. And there are amazing marriages, and there's nothing better in the world. Isha Teva, Chaya Teva, the Gemara says. A good marriage is a fantastic life. No Shiloh. Isha Ra, a bad marriage, Chaya Ra, your life is miserable. Nothing to talk about. Today, the most full classes, if I was giving a series on Shalom Bayis, this room would be full. Everybody wants to read books and hear tapes. And all this other stuff, Shalom Bayes is really suffering. Our relation with Hashem is really suffering. And our relation with our kids is really suffering. And the main one is our relation with ourselves is really suffering. Self-esteem is... So how can we fix them all? We can fix them all with one thing. What am I, what am I saying? So I came up with this amazing idea. I'm going to open up with Hashem. You know, when I have an idea, I run. There's the Chafetz Chaim Foundation on Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara is very important. And the Chafetz Chaim spent a lot of time on Lashon Hara. And it's a very big Aveira, and it's a very bad Aveira. But you can have Shemir Salashon and not, and not have a good marriage. And you can have Shemir Salashon and not talk to your kids. And you can have Shemir Salashon and have no connection to Hashem. You can't have a Satoiv and not have a good relationship in your marriage. You can't have a karsatayv and not have a relationship with Hashem. And you can't have a karsatayv and not have a relationship with your parents. If you have a karsatayv, then all those three things will be fixed. If you appreciate God, then of course you're going to love Him. If you appreciate your husband, then of course it's going to be a good marriage. If a husband appreciates his wife, and his wife appreciates her husband. If you, if a kid appreciates his parents, of course it's going to be a good relationship. If a parent appreciates a kid, of course it's going to be a good relationship. So I'm like, this is amazing. We can fix it all with one thing. Because that curse of makes you an Adam. And if you're an Adam, you can do anything. Conflict of makes you Afar. You can have Shmirtalashin, Sneers, and everything. If you're a Kafli Taiv, you're not a Telemali Kim, nothing can grow. I said, we have to make our Karsatov Foundation. <laughs> no, I'm very serious about this. Not a joke. And we're going to put out a safer, a lesson a day, because most of us don't even know what that word means. 
We think we do, but we really don't. And there are crazy stories of Akar Satayim. In the Torah, left and right, Akar Baruch shows us, there's crazy stories. But this is what I want to do. And we're going to make this foundation, and it's going to be bigger than anything you ever heard of, and we're going to change, we, we're going to, it's going to be a game changer. It will. There's nothing to talk about. If you learn how to be an appreciative person, being a boss, being a wife, being a mother, relation to Hashem, it mamash fixes everything. It really fixes everything. The disease of this generation is that we don't appreciate anything. We don't appreciate anybody. i5 comes out, we buy the iPhone 5. It comes out 6, you say, we don't appreciate that we have an iPhone 5 because now it's an iPhone 6. It's old, it's ugh, it's disgusting, I don't want it. That's how we are, that's our generation. Me too, I'm part of that generation. That, that, that's our problem. So I came up with this idea. We're going to create a book. Not a book, not a diary. We're going to learn from Achashverosh. We're going to create a book, a calendar. It's going to be like a calendar book. But in that calendar, every single day, on that, in that book, and we'll, we'll do an app, because most people don't like to write, so they're going to have it on their computer, on their phone, whatever it is. It's going to be an app. And every single night before you go to sleep, it's going to say one thing. I appreciate what my father did, and you're going to write it. I appreciate what my mother did, and you're going to write it. That day. I appreciate what Hashem did. One thing, just one thing, and you're going to write it. I appreciate what my husband did, and you're going to write it. And I appreciate something that I did for myself, and you're going to write it. Can you imagine a five-year-old kid who has such a book, and at the end of the year, Rosh Hashanah at the table, he opens that book and he starts to read about what Hashem did for him, and what his mommy did for him, and what he did for him, and his sister did for him. He's going to grow up to be a different person. He's going to say thank you to the maid. Not just throw stuff on the floor. You say thank you to the mailman. You say thank you to the garbage man. We have to start when they're five years old. But it's not a book for just five years old. It's going to be a book from, from five till 120. And, and every single year, you'll have in that book just, just one thing. One thing every day that, my fa- that I feel I, I'm thanking my father for. Do you know what kind of person you're going to turn into? Do you know what kind of beautiful person you're going to turn into? Could you imagine Rosh Hashanah sitting there and opening your book of Zechreinites? Of all the people that did things for you, you never realized. And it's a book of only good. There's no bad stuff written in that book. And you'll come Yom Kippur with that book and you'll say to God the following. God, I have a book. It's called the Sefer Zechreinah. By the way, if you look at the Tefillah in Yom Kippur and you look at Nisan Taikef, what's the book Hashem opens? It's called Sefer Zechreinah. The same book Achashverosh. The same book HaMelech opened up in Perek Vav, everybody. The Sefer Zechreinah is the name of the book that they open on Yom Kippur. Could you imagine sitting on Yom Kippur? I would do it with that book of this past year and saying to Hashem, listen God, I have a book here that only has good things in it. Just things of appreciation. That's my book. Do me a favor. When you open my book, just like when I opened this book that I wrote, it only has good things in it, just look at the good things that are in my book. I didn't write anything bad. I'm not reading anything bad. You don't read anything bad. You don't write anything bad. Wow. Wow. How that will change your life? To open it and see? That, not that a guy should say to me, well, my wife, yeah, she cooks, uh, yeah, because she has to. She doesn't have to. And all of a sudden, you begin to realize that the things that you took for granted are in your book five days in a row. Five days in a row? The same thing? Wow. That's crazy. And all of a sudden, you'll have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we're going to create that book. And we're going to do it on a very high level. And it's going to change a five-year-old and a 20-year-old and a single girl and a married girl. 
and every single person in this world. Because if you become a person who appreciates, you can do anything. So, there are 3,000 women in Ornava. I have 85 girls in my seminary. I have 23 girls, 25 girls in my high school. I have 12 girls in my other seminary. I get 60 calls an hour. Every day, till 2 o'clock in the morning. On Purim, I did not get more than three phone calls from all the women that I teach to say happy Purim or Wallace Why not? Why not? Wait, let me, let, me, let, me, let me finish. Now, do I need those phone calls? Absolutely not. I was on vacation. I probably wouldn't have answered them. You needed those phone calls. I didn't need it. You needed it. You needed to say thank you. I didn't need to thank you. You needed to say thank you. Your growth. That you're not up for. You need to say thank you. Kibbutz of Aim is Lorania Micha. Your Mecha. You don't do Kibbutz of Aim for your parents. The Torah says, Lorania Yibu, your Mecha. You do Kibbutz of Aim for you. When you don't say thank you to your mother, it's not, she doesn't need your thank you. She doesn't need your good Shabbos. You lost a part of yourself. You lost your potential. All those 60 calls that I get an hour. Where were you? On Purim. Why didn't you call me on Purim? Happy Purim, Rabbi Wallerstein. Why didn't you call me Erev Shabbos? Now, I'm not telling you this. Oh, it's personal? It's not personal. I don't, it's, not, it's not about me. I don't care. I don't care. I don't need it. I don't even want it. You need it. You need to say thank you. I don't need to thank you. But you need to say thank you. And that's just showing you, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about three and a half thousand people. Totally anytime I have a year, 800,000 hits. And great speech, unbelievable, you changed my life. I'm sitting in flower and I'm pouring, my phone's laying there. It's not ringing. Thank you for the share. Thank you, Red Wallerstein, for changing my life. I don't need it. You need to say it. It's your growth, not my growth. I don't need it, but you need to say it. And when we had an Ornava, and, and Nebuch, you're the ones that are here tonight, but, but when we had an Ornava membership card that we wanted to sell to make a little money for Ornava, nobody bought them. Why not? I'm just saying a few people bought them. Why not? When we give out raffles for Shabbaton, where's your Hakkara You need to sell the raffles. I don't need your money. I don't need your money. If I had a billion dollars in the bank, I don't need your money. You need to write the check. You need to give your miser. You need to, to, to buy the raffle. And I might take your money, I don't need it, and give it to High Lifeline. Doesn't matter. But if you don't write the check, it means you don't have a curse of tithe. If you don't have a curse of tithe, you're up for. You're up for. You're not a dumber. You need to write the check. I might rip it up at home and never cash it. But if you didn't write it, it means you don't have a curse of tithe. If you don't have a curse of tithe, what kind of marriage do you expect to have? And what kind of relationship with Hashem do you expect to have? And what kind of relationship with your parents? And what kind of relationship with your children? It's not, it's not about the receiver. It's about the giver. 
Chaim, a man went to Chavetz Chaim, he had a choice in a job in a bank. And his choice was to, to take deposits or to give withdrawals. In those days, it wasn't the same teller. Withdrawal department, deposit department. So he went to Chavetz Chaim, he said, which one should I do, deposits or withdrawals? And the Chavetz Chaim says, you should do withdrawals. She said, why? He said, because you're going to take deposits, you're going to become a person who just takes. Take, take, take. But if you do withdrawals, you're always going to be giving. That has to become part of who you are. To be, to be a giver. You have to be, you have to have, you have to have, you have to be someone who has a car satire. You have to give money, you, you have to give thanks to people who don't need your thanks. Your mother like, oh, you don't have to call me. It's okay. You know, and, and, and I'll, I'm not any better than anyone else. I'm not, I'm not judging anyone here. I'm not better than anyone else. But I have to tell you something that happened today. So I gave the speech today. I gave the speech yesterday to my boys. Oh, baby, did I hammer them. Did I let those guys have it last night? I said to them, you're in my share for seven years. You know that Ornava and the things they do are struggling with money. All of you sitting here, not one of you called me a week before Purim and said, Ray Watson, get us a letter signed by you so we could go around Purim and raise money. Every yeshiva has guys going around raising money. You're in my Chabura. Why didn't any of you spend five hours this Purim raising money for Onava? Because you couldn't care less. No, I said, you do care. You don't know how to connect to Karsatayf. If I would have told you to do it, Every one of them would have done it. Oh, they would have done it like unbelievable. But I don't need to tell you to do it. You're in my class for seven years. You know where we're at. It's Purim. People are giving tzedakah and money. Everybody's going around collecting. Why didn't you think of it? If I tell it to you, that's not across the toe. I let them have it. And they were macabre last night. And one guy took out $100, said, here, Rebbe. And I said, you're a machutzif, and you don't belong in my share. You think I need your money? I need your hundred dollars. Now you're giving me a hundred. Is this what, is this what my whole speech is about? Putting a hundred dollars down? I need your stupid hundred dollars. That, that's what this is about. That's what my whole speech is about. The speech was that you should have had cars at time before Purim and said, Rebbe, I want to go collect, get me a letter. I need your hundred dollars? Get out of here. Crazy. So today, I gave this speech. And a girl came over to me, said, First of all, a bunch of girls got insulted right away. Because, you know, when you give Musser, um, I'm the kind of guy, I don't care if you like me. It's not what this is about. You know, I'm not the guy that gets up and every, all the women have to like me. I'm here to help you. And sometimes when you help somebody, they really hate you for it. Hey, if you have a cross to play from it, I don't care if you hate me. Um, this is not, my wall scene is not a popularity club. My wife loves me, I hope. And my kids love me. And, and if you like me, you like me. If you don't like me, you like me. I'm not a flower girl. I'm not up here to tell you stories and be puffy and woofy and, oh wow, he's so nice, you know? That's not what I'm about. I'll hammer you. If I have to hammer you, I'm gonna hammer you because it's for your good. And if you can't handle it, that's, that's up to you. You gotta go inside yourself. And I'm sure there are people who didn't call me because they felt it's not sneeze. And there are people who didn't call me because um, they have other reasons that they didn't call me. Fine. So when you walk out of here tonight, you don't have to go inside yourself and say, how come I didn't have a cross that type? No problem. No problem with it. I'm putting it out there. You need to work on yourself. I have, I'm, I'm working on something. My, I went to Florida for a week and, uh, and, um, I called my mother and poor him and my mother said like, you know, how's the weather? How's this? How's that? And I'm like, you know, she says like, you know, you're in Florida for poor him. I'm like, yeah, come on. I'm like, dad. My father used to always be in poor him in Florida. So my mother goes, you're not, you're not like your father.
I said, really? She goes, no. I said, why not? She said, because wherever he went, Israel, Florida, he took his mother. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> so I said, you know what, Ma? You're right. You're right. Now, why didn't they take my mother? Because I thought, Florida, schlep her for five, for six days, and then schlep her for Purim. She's better off here. And, you know, and, 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 and that's why I didn't take her. It's not true. It's not true. When I wrote deep, deep, deep down inside myself, and I really want to grow, I'm like, how come you didn't take her? Because, you know, it was sort of like getting away for a week, and my mother would have been there, and it would have been a little bit harder, and this and that. I went inside myself, and I'm like, yeah, 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 you should have taken her. You're wrong. Don't make up these excuses. You were very selfish. It was about you going away for a week. And you didn't want your mother to be there all the time, going out to eat and all that other stuff. And you have to be able to grow. You have to be able to go inside and be honest with yourself. And yeah, well, Steve, you're the man who's talking about a curse of time. You went to Florida and you didn't ask your mother to come. She might have said no. So don't make up all your stories. Grow from it. Grow from it, realize it, and work on it. So this girl today comes up to me after my speech and she says, I was thinking of calling you on Purim. And I'm like, well, why didn't you? And she said, because you don't even know my name. What's my name? I said, honestly, I don't know your name. She said, yes, so then why should I call you? So I said, you know why you should have called me? Not for me. You don't need to know my name. If I do something for you, I need to know your name? No, you need to know my name. You know my name? Then you should have called me. I don't need to know your name. This is not a game. So you better go inside yourself and figure out really why you didn't call me. Don't tell me you didn't call me because I don't know your name. I don't need to know your name. You need to know my name. That's just an excuse. So every single person has to go past that first excuse. And yeah, maybe I am selfish and maybe I do take things for granted. And if you don't go there and you don't realize that, you're not going to fix it. Part of the growth, that's Adama. That's Adama. That's, that's how you grow. Yeah, it's dirt. Sometimes you got to go into your dirt. It's not pretty. You got to go into yourself. And that's where growth comes from. Growth comes from, from Adama. You got to go inside yourself and say, again, now you're walking, oh, Rabbi Wallstein, you, you don't like me because I didn't call you? I couldn't care. I'm Honestly, I don't need anybody's phone calls. I didn't even expect anyone's phone calls. Right? But the bottom line is nobody called. And all those people that called me all the time and called me and called me when it came to porn, which is the Yontif, hello, my phone was dead. I get 60 calls now. Right? Right now after the show, I'm going to look at my phone. It's going to say, 72 calls missed. So it's going to say on my phone. I sat a whole Purim, quiet. So everybody was busy. It was quiet. Not me, or Rabbi Friedman, or whoever it is, right? You're Shadchan. You're Shadchan, who read you Ten Shaduchim, who tried. None of them worked, let's say. But it's trying. Did you call them on Purim? And say, Afrelechim Purim, a happy Purim. I just want to thank you, even though nothing worked, that you have, my, you have me in mind. Thank you very much. She doesn't need your thank you. You need your thank you. You need to say thank you. Your mommy doesn't need your thank you. 
and there's so much to thank a parent for, even if they're dysfunctional, and even if they screwed up your whole life. But there's something in that book they did for you. They changed your diaper. They burped you in the middle of the night when they were dead tired. They ran to the doctor. They gave you, at least for the first two years, 400, 500 baths bent their back got their shirts all filthy and full of water and you splash their faces and then standing there never that poor woman with her back bent over there the bathtub for, 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 for 25 minutes that was your mother everybody that was your mommy diapered your duty and had to wipe it up and clean it up that was your mother I don't care how dysfunctional she is and what she did to you later that's got to be in your book well she had to do that that is the dumbest answer when it comes to that car type. Because water floats. And Moshe Abena wasn't allowed to hit it. The water had to do it. It had to make the, the basket float. That's not an answer. Hashem said, don't you dare touch that water. And that's not a mother or a father. That's something that has no feelings. That's Purim. And that's what you have to take into Pesach. And that's what the Pesach Seder is all about. Pesach Seder is all about Hakar Satoiv. And if we have Hakar Satoiv, the final thing, the final cup, if you talk to have those four, is the That will bring Mashiach. will bring Mashiach. and only good things. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.